Welcome to You Can't Laugh at Work, part of the You Can't Laugh at That podcast, where we prove that from the right angle, anything can be funny. When it comes to work, a lot of leaders tend to shy away from the fact that the things that happen day to day can be humorous. And admitting this and leaning into this and changing the narrative of what it means to make a mistake and what it means to lead and what it means to be successful or be a boss is vital for growth and creativity and innovation. On today's episode of You Can't Laugh at Work, I spoke with Bob Kingry, co-founder of Southern Energy Management, a North Carolina-based solar installer and building performance expert. They install solar panels in homes, in commercial buildings, they install the Tesla Powerwall. Uh, they are an innovator when it comes to renewable, sustainable energy. And I brought Bob onto this podcast because of their standing as a B Corp, which is an organization that is committed to the values of sustainability, of making the workplace human, of providing a service that will move this world, this country, humanity itself forward. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of You Can't Laugh at Work. But before we get to that, this podcast is brought to you by Water Cooler Comedy. What if your team was as excited to clock in on Monday morning as they were for that first drink on Friday night? As the workforce continues to shift and deal with new disruptions and distractions, leaders are looking for answers as to how they can bring their teams together, recruit and retain top talent, and be ready for the next unexpected adversity. Turns out, when humor plays an active role in the workplace experience, it can help solve all of those challenges. And at Water Cooler Comedy, it's our mission to turn your company into one where laughing together is part of building a stronger culture and improving the problem-solving process. From customized corporate comedy experiences to keynotes to comedy workshops, to online training and one-on-one consulting and more, Water Cooler Comedy can help make your company one where people come together to laugh around the water cooler, whether it's in person or virtual. Schedule a free consultation today at watercoolercomedy.org forward slash booking or learn more about us at watercoolercomedy.org because we want to help you make work the time and place to laugh. I was introduced to you, I've been uh, very interested in B Corps. And so that's what led me to your organization and seeing that you're consistently a top workplace, which congratulations on the, the yeah. third time doing that, by the way. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah of course. And, uh, and it's evident too, in the way in the way you carry yourself, uh, the, the way you have your, your website set up. I mean, just like the little intangibles like that, that this is a, this is a place that cares about the people, not only your, your customers and your vendors and so on, but the people that work there. So uh, we're going to kick this thing off. And I want to ask you uh, kind of the why behind Southern Energy Management. Yeah. Um... A great question. I've been thinking about this uh, for, for a bit just recently and some for, for personal development. Um, you know, my wife and I decided that uh, we left a successful career at Burt's Bees, cosmetic company, mm-hmm. where I learned a bunch of skills, had some mentors, and uh, we decided to leave there. And our plan was to go travel around the world. Um, we put a couple of years salary in the bank. And uh, a month after we left, I left Burt's Bees, Maria was pregnant. And so we decided to start a company instead of travel around the world. So uh, we had uh, 
we had planned all the places we were going or just started the plans. It was going to be, and uh, when we were much younger, we took a trip like that where we didn't have a real plan and spent the four or five months living in a van. So um, we're going to do something similar to that. But instead, we started Southern Energy Management. It was right at 9-11, happened at the exact same time. So uh, we said, I want to get back into something we can make a difference in the world and help uh, and do our part to help in the world. And so started Southern Energy Management. It, it's funny how something like that happens and it totally reframes things. Um, yeah. the, but between, you know, your, your wife getting pregnant and 9-11. Uh, yeah, at the time, at the time, it was kind of wild. And it was, uh, you know, so like when we started the company, there was a little tiny baby in the house. Like Zach was born. He's, uh, he's 19 now, but he was born basically at the very beginning. And so um, it was weird to have a little baby at home and neither of us have like jobs and, uh, and working to grow a, a tiny business then. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. When we look back, it was still, we still feel good about every bit of it. Is, is there still uh, living in a van? Is yeah, that still yeah, on yeah. the agenda? Yeah, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we're big fans of traveling for sure. Um, uh, and so uh, we've done quite a bit of traveling. And uh, yes, living in a van or something similar to that, uh, probably with a bathroom in it is what Maria's put, yeah. put her, she's kind of graduated to that. But um, yeah, totally. We're definitely, uh, we love to travel. We love new experiences. Um, and we like to travel without a lot of plans. So uh, yeah, we sure, we sure are. We've, we've done quite a bit of that with Zach throughout his whole life. So it's been fun. When you talk about new experiences, what uh, what drew you to solar energy? What was the the thing that said, "Oh, there there's something here"? Not only in the in the uh, the chances for growth and and success in that line of work, uh, because in two thousand one, you know that that was a time where it, we're kind of teetering towards that. You know, people kind yeah. of consider that, well, this is this might be a viable solution to, uh, re, you know, to renewable energies. Um, so, what what made you kind of take that leap into solar? When I was in college in the late 80s, I uh, worked with a solar company. Uh, one, of my, one of my friends was in engineering school at NC State with me. Um, he had a job with a guy working at a company called Solar Consultants, and Fred Stewart was his name, and, uh, and he lived locally, and they worked on solar thermal systems, uh, really popular in the Carter administration. So there were thousands of them out there that needed to be repaired and maintained mostly. And so Tom worked with Fred and Fred was quite a character, still one of our, my closest friends. And, uh, and Tom couldn't handle Fred's sort of characterness. He was just an interesting guy. Like uh, we listened to Rush Limbaugh every day on the way to work. And that was a part of what Fred did. It wasn't, that wasn't his political bent, but he liked to see other points of view. So at any rate, I started working in solar in the late eighties and doing repair work. I like to work with my hands. I worked on cars and I'm, you know, sort of a process engineer and a hands-on guy has been my whole life. So I did worked in there and then, when we decided to, uh, after 9-11 and we were pregnant, we said, what are we going to do for our business? You know, we said, wow, well, I've done some of this work in solar. Maybe we could get into that and energy efficiency as well. So okay. uh, it was no grand vision of where we would be 20 years later, quite the opposite. But it was something that I knew how to do and, uh, and figured we could try to make some money doing it. And we took a run at it. We did energy efficiency work on existing houses and solar work as well. So I tried to start selling solar systems one foot in front of the other and see where it takes you yeah it was no grand vision at that time it's interesting we think about people talk about what the vision they had and our vision was we'd make enough money to live <laughs> and, and, and have a business that had an impact right and, and doing the doing the right thing after what we believed is the right thing to do then it was just a question of like how do we do more of it how do we make it happen so 
Yeah, yeah, one, one thing at a time. I love that. I love that. And and when it comes, you know, you mentioned a different points of view, uh, you know, something like, like solar energy, you know, it, it's, that can be a hot button topic for some people. How have you encountered resistance to, to what you do? And, and what have you done to, to overcome that? And, and yeah, show that- totally. yeah, yeah, you know, it's changed a lot in 20 years. 20 years ago, solar energy was mostly an environmental group or a or sort of a highly educated energy and environmental group. And now it's the opposite of that. It's everything's about jobs. And, uh, and in fact, some ways the solar industry has gone even further to that side with, uh, you know, our company specializes in distributed generation, you know, rooftop solar, basically. And the, and the world of solar is really dominated in the Southeast by utility scale solar, giant solar farms. So, um, so it's turned completely about jobs and um, which is great in the economy which we think is phenomenal. Um, but back then it was mostly environmentalists. So like the, the customer has changed completely. I was just having a conversation this morning with someone, one of our team members, and they said, you know, so it's really no longer this political divide. He was like our customer, they, they were he was telling me about an install and they got into the house and the guy opened a garage and he had a, a whole wall plastered with his Trump memorabilia. And like, he was like, hey, he had to move the stuff over a little bit out of the side. He said, put it right here. They put the inverter right here in his garage. But like, it's just a good example of like, we're not selling to an environmental crowd. There are, it's a, it's a part of it. It's a secondary motivator, um, but ultimately it's not really the highest motivator now. So it's a much more accepted. There's still a decent number of politicians that struggle with that. People will complain that there's too much farmland in North Carolina is taken up by solar, but it's only like 0.3% total. Um, but I think those are dying breeds. I think those people are dying out and those views are really going away. It's solar's cheaper, it's better. Uh, and as battery prices come down, it's competitive with, you know, 24 hour power. So. Mm-hmm. What, what you did was, was I mean, not you personally, but, but in, in this conversation, you know, talking about changing the narrative of what it means to, to adopt, adopt solar. Um, and I think that's so important is, is changing the narrative of what, this you know taboo thing means whatever um and when it comes to work you know my that's my mission is to kind of change the narrative of what it means to work that oh this is no you know no matter what it is what you're doing if you're working with your hands if you're doing something like i'm doing if you're you know if you're in charge of a lot of people we have to be able to change the narrative not only for us but the people that we come in contact with and so being a company that is a best place to work that is a b corp that that has that emphasis on people and the human impact that you're making what sets you apart from other similar organizations i think the thing that sets us apart it maybe doesn't set us apart but it but it puts us in a smaller group is the fact that we really truly care like when we started our company we say we said we said we wanted to start a company where we'd want to work that we would be proud to work for that was our sort of our guiding mission maria and i when we started the company we learned a lot from other people about how they ran their companies and said like we can do this and we can do it in a way where we the team becomes an integral part of it. So, you know, you, you started out talking about how our website has all these interesting things on it. And, you know, it's a good example of like, if we, if we set the core values around where we're going and, and set the vision of where we're going and put our core values out there and give the team members rope, uh, then they do all that stuff on their own in reality. So our goal is just not to, not to hire jerks, not to hire assholes. That's an important goal. Um, which is a key part of it. Um, 
but I'd say in general, we trust the people to do what they're going to do. And we find the metrics to hold them accountable and, uh, and give them the rope to do their jobs on their own and put their sort of spin on it and own their part of the business, whatever that might be. Okay. What, what, what's your secret to knowing whether or not someone's a jerk or, or, or an yeah, asshole? that's, that's a, uh, the, the H, the, um, uh, it's hard. I'm a sucker for people. Like I'm, I'm not the best interview person. So, so some of the key things to do is, um, doing multi-layer interview process where you're going to have time with somebody and really get to know them, search and find some of the harder questions that are, that are, you know, like, how did you give us an example of when you screwed up in life and what did you do? Someone who can't answer that question is likely got, you know, there's other things. So, and then the other thing I'd say is bring multiple people in and, uh, and have multiple points of view that are being, that they have the ability to say, I really think this person might not work out. So those are some of the key things. And in the end, like you don't really, it's hard to know. I can't like claim that I'm great at that because I'm a sucker for salespeople. They, they woo me over every time. Like a, a really good salesperson, like can convince me within a half hour that they're going to transform our company. I've happened a number of times already. And uh, so uh, I'm not so sure I'm the best example, but put the right people in front of them uh, is one of the ways to get the right, uh, but in the end, uh, you get the right people in the right seats, but in the end, it's still a HR is sort of, you're t- playing the odds. Yeah. It, it's, it's good to get those multiple perspectives and that, and that's smart. You know, it's a great way yeah. to do it. Um, and, and that question too, you know, how have you, how have you messed up and what did you do about it? Uh, so I'm going to oh ask God, you that yeah. question. <laughs> yeah, totally. I got some, I got some good ones. Bro. I, um, I screw up all the time. And I think part of the part of the part of the reason that that my leadership works at Southern Energy Management is that I'll bring that forward every chance I get. I'll bring where I screw it up forward because I think that shows people a vulnerability and helps build trust. Mm. I mean, I was thinking I've I've screwed up so many different. I mean, I screw up every day in some ways, and that's what we tell people we hire. I'm like, we we screw up, but like what we do in response to that is what really makes or breaks a, a team and break makes or breaks a leader in some ways. So I don't know, I've done some stupid shit. I've, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I threatened we, we, when that, when the, when the, when the era money was coming down and there was some state funded, um, efficiency programs, we were the leader in one and had done a bunch of work for six months. And then the federal government like moved the cheese on the payment side. So like, uh, we were stretched out with a large amount of money for about four months and we called the guy who was pretty high up in the state. And, uh, We've been we've been debating getting paid, trying to get paid, and all these different things that happened for months and months and months. It didn't look very promising to get paid soon. So I called him up and I, I threatened to sue him. I said, I'm gonna sue the sue the state. <laughs> he says he's a friend of ours now. And uh, he, says, he says, that's good. Um, but you know, our lawyer is the attorney general. So if you want to sue the attorney general, here's his here's his email right here. So um kind of put me right in my place pretty quick on that one. So I don't know. I've done a I've done a bunch of silly ones like that i had a part-time cfo that was we got into financial issues and she was exiting and um and and at the time it it didn't feel like the right time for her to exit to me and to some of the people in the company but she was leaving and we we were struggling and so i guess some that that just goes to show like you need full-time people in some positions no matter what you just need a full-time person who's dedicated but in the end like i I put a number of people in the room, her included, and we started talking about what we wanted to do in the CFO. And like, and in the end, it became a list of things that she didn't, she wasn't, which was, which, which in the end, everyone in the room said, Hey man, that's not really cool to put someone in the room. And like, the lack of, the lack of empathy around that in some way. So, so I've worked hard over the last 10 years to think about other people's points of view and like how they, how, 
how you sh if you show up as the boss, you really have a lot of inherent sort of positional power, and you just got to think about that in a different way. Because mm -hmm. if you show up, and if I if I show up and ramrod people through things, that doesn't get where we want to be. Going. Right, right. Yeah, that that boss narrative. I mean, even if you know, you we have a picture that we put in our heads when we hear that as an employee. You know, you act a certain way. But then when you see you being more uh, of a human being, it, it changes that narrative a little bit. Um, and, and a big way to do that is to use your sense of humor. And, and it's clear that, you know, you, you found ways to laugh at yourself. Uh, how valuable is that, you know, when you do mess up? Is, a, is that a, a quick reframing uh, technique? Is that, I mean, how does that work for you? You can't laugh at that. Hey, hope you're enjoying this episode of You Can't Laugh at Work. In this episode, we talk a lot about reframing and how to shift the narrative of your people, how to shift the narrative of what it means to be a leader so that your people do their best work. And Bob leads an organization that is known for being a top workplace. If you want your workplace to be a top workplace and to benefit from all of the perks from being a top workplace, like being able to recruit top talent, retain top talent, engage top talent. You've got to build the kind of culture that attracts, retains, and engages those kinds of people. How do you do that? All you got to do is go to watercoolercomedy.org forward slash killer culture, where you can learn a little bit about how to enroll in our brand new eight-week leadership course seven steps to reframe retention and create a killer culture because if you want your organization to be a place where people want to come to work you've got to start changing the narrative now back to your regularly scheduled programming you can't laugh at that uh, you know i've thought about it since you since you invited me and, and a little some of the things on that and um you know storytelling and humor is definitely a part of the things that 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 i continue to work on personally and recognize the value in that um and uh and self-deprecating humor is is probably the absolute best for me like when i do when i do something silly i'll bring it right out to the front and uh and find that people respond to that because everybody screws up right and everyone and the, and the fact is when i show up as someone who has issues or has isn't if i presented myself as someone who was smarter than or um or not doesn't make mistakes. I think that would just give the exact wrong impression. You got to be a human being. If you, this is what I always tell the, the groups that I work with is if you're trying to be right all the time, everybody knows that nobody has all the answers. So what you're doing, you know, unintentionally is you are betraying their trust because they know that you don't have all the answers. And so to put up that front, what are you doing? Yep. So, so that's huge. And then uh, there was one thing that really stood out to me and, and it has nothing really to do with culture, but I kind of wanted to see how that plays into your culture is the walk, jog, run emphasis that you have. How do you apply yeah. the, uh, well, first of all, explain what that is and then yeah, how do you yeah, apply that one. to culture? Yeah. So the, the industry we're in on the energy efficiency side is we help builders build better houses and then we certify them in new construction so you buy a new house it's energy star certified or nahp green or lead we'll we're kind of like nascar we'll put any sticker you want we'll certify you to any of the programs there's a dozen of them out there roughly and so we started talking about that and 20 years ago when we started this the, we were like okay we're going to meet the builders where you are because some builders are already in a niche of you know there's a dozen green builders in north carolina that build zero energy homes and that's all they build maybe maybe 25, maybe 100 of them here, but there's not a lot compared to the total number of builders. And so 
they're already in the run category. And then there's, you know, and then there's builders who just come to the area from some other place in the world, uh, the nation where they're building, or alternatively, they're, they're just a production builder that has never focused on this. And they're basically in the walk category. They're like, they're just on their efficiency journey, they're just walking. And so our concept is that we're going to take you where we're going to meet you wherever you are, number one. Like we're not elitist. We recognize that your business model, that, whereas we, Southern Management believes that we should be building zero energy homes in North Carolina. That's what we believe that in South Carolina. That's important. But like not everyone shares that vision. And so we're going to meet you where you are and we're going to just slowly move you along the path as best we can. And so we've got great examples where we've convinced production builders to change their project product, add more energy efficiency features to it and uh, and recognize the benefits for their customers um, and find ways for them to integrate that in their business where they make more money. So so from a perspective of the customer side, it's sort of like meet you where you are moving forward. From a team member side, you know, we use that internally on our team quite a bit too. Um, sort of like when we're looking at a big project, we'll be like, okay, we're going to start here and we're going to walk and then we're going to go here and go forward along or like it's often used in respect, like what's the first steps? Like here's a project. What's the walk step for this? So we've, we've morphed it internally to, to do that. It's, it's interesting you pick on that because that was really early in our development. We developed, we started talking about it that way and we still use that language with our builders every day. I was kind of hoping you would go to towards the, you know, meet people where they are, whether it's a client or whether it's an employee. Uh, and, and the reason why it stood out, and maybe this is selfish of me, is, is coming from a, a comedy background. Uh, I tend to find those little nuances in human behavior. And it's like, oh, you know, leadership and, and good comedy are two sides of the same coin. And so as a comic, when you get on stage, you have to see where the audience is coming from. You have to meet them where you are, especially if yeah. you're going to deliver a joke that might offend some sensibilities. You right. need to, to start where they are build that trust, uh, build that relationship, and then maybe they'll allow you to approach that more difficult to topics. And so the, the, I was kind of hoping that, that you would go there with them, meet them yeah. where they are. So it's yeah. interesting, you know, you know, I find that like, I, uh, I find things funny, but I don't find myself as a good, as a good, as a good joke teller. Like that is not one of my unique talents. It's one of those things that even just talking about it makes my, you know, I can feel my adrenaline kick up a little <laughs> bit because it's, I'm not a, I'm yeah. not a I'm not a strong um, presenter from like a script or like a like a stand up and do stand up and do 15 minutes of comedy for me. That would that would be like a, the most frightening day. I would wake up. I wouldn't sleep the night before no matter what. And so um, it's interesting. But from a perspective of sitting in front of a 115 people on our team at all team meeting and having a conversation and cheering them up and like talking it up and then showing what we do. That to me feels like falling off a log I could do that with you know with one arm time behind my back so it's 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 interesting to hear you say how that that you build that rapport and that trust because that's sort of what we're doing with our team all all the if we do that if we're doing that we're either building trust or losing trust usually mm -hmm. no, normally it's not just sitting alone so it's normally going one direction so I like your concept of thinking about like a presentation as sort of building trust and building the rapport it's interesting yeah, that's the thing. It's like an audience, you know, you, everything you say, either like, like you were just saying, either builds or loses that trust a, a little yeah. bit. There's there's like a constant meter uh, where, where it's going either way. And and the thing that a lot of people miss who aren't really invested in comedy is that it's not necessarily just about the comedy itself. Um, it, it really is about that connection with people first yeah. and foremost, because if you because like 
connecting a setup to a punchline, you're making connections between different things in your head. And so you have to connect with the audience in order for them to see those connections. And so that's really the name of the game. And that's really the name of the game in leadership is connecting with your team, connecting with your clients, connecting to uh, prospects. You know, are these people a good fit? Are they somebody who'd be interested in what we do? And uh, you, you seem to have found a niche for that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, So, what do you think drove you into comedy? What do you think was the draw for comedy? It, it's that instant human person. connection. Yeah, um, it, it really is. I mean, I've always loved making people laugh, but then when I really found all the benefits of workplaces that are open to laughter, and and, and it doesn't mean you know the CEO is somebody who walks in and you know honks somebody's nose and everybody laughs. You know, that's not yeah, right. that, yeah, that's yeah. that's the misconception. It's it's allowing the environment that allows people to be a little bit more open, and it frees us up creatively. It, it allows us to be more innovative. It yeah. uh, it gets us to kind of step outside of ourselves for just a second to see a different point of view. And so it's a combination of all those things that really interested me. And I think it's a it's a great way because if if you can laugh with somebody, I mean, you know, somebody walks in the door, they rub you the wrong way, but then all of a sudden you're laughing with them, you're instantly rethinking your relationship, and and it's such yeah. a powerful tool on so many levels. Yeah, totally. That's great. Yeah, um, and I think I think you're right. At the core, leadership is about connection and trust and with that connection comes trust right because in business it's not all sunshine and roses Mm -hmm. there's going to be days where bad things happen and we screw up or a job gets affected the wrong way or just there's just it doesn't it's not all positive Mm -hmm. so like when it's negative if we have a good layer of trust with that team member then they're going to think about it and they're going to ask a question versus make an assumption Mm -hmm. and so uh so i agree completely it's about the connection and so like I have a open, my doors open all the, all the time, except when I'm doing podcasts or something like that. But, yeah. um, but in doing that, like people walk in there and talk to me, our new field team members. I'm like, come in here and say hello to me. And so like, we learn about the kids and I learn like, you know, Hey, they don't want to get vaccinated. Here's why, like, whatever it is, we learn about it. Um, and that connection makes a difference at some level. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, you can't, you can't quantify it every day and it's not like you're putting beans in a jar or anything, but I do know that if I try and I make those connections, then those team members tend to be the ones that rise where they tell their cousin's friend, like, hey, you might want a job here. And then uh, all those things sort of just build on themselves. So it feels uh, it feels like the right way to do it as well, to be fair to others and to try to make their lives better. I mean, some of our, for Maria and I, some of the proudest moments are when someone on our team buys a house or their family has a baby and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy about it. And we can give them flexibility. It's like, their family successes for us are often the most rewarding pieces of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's a, that human aspect. We'll, we'll never lose that. That's the robots yeah. will never win. Well, but, the, but that puts it put to the point, like um, most businesses don't focus on that. Like what sets us apart is like that. The concept of what we're talking about here, David, is not what the, the average CEO is spending some time in this bucket. But like, but at some core level believes that, you know, more money to be made is probably a better path or whatever there are. Even in our industry, there's lots of people that are building very fast growing solar companies that, you know, have 1099 employees that are 100 percent commissioned. And, you know, their structure of pay is 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 not something that has any long term viability. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to see that. Um, and we see some of our team members jump to those teams make a little bit more money per hour and they work there for four months and they're like, 
man, these guys are assholes. <laughs> like these, this, these guys are just, they're just, they're just not nice at all. They're just not nice. So yeah. at some core level, like you're c- competing with people that aren't really nice. Yeah. And that's, and you know, and, and we can beat that. We can beat the crap out of that by just giving it. Yeah. Care. Yeah. It, instead yeah. of the output, it's about the process. It's about who you yeah. become and, and creating something and becoming better a hundred percent. So before we go, I'm, I'm just interested. What, what sort of obstacles, challenges, you know, uh, benchmarks are you, are you trying to meet, overcome uh, moving yeah. forward now? Well, let's see, we've got our, our company's growing back up over 110 people now. And so since COVID, we haven't all ever been together again. So for a year and a half. So like there's a, part of the trust as a leader, part of the trust that I've put together is like face-to-face trust in many ways. Like I'm here and you're here and we talk and I ask you, you know, and you ask me and I ask you questions and we get to know each other. So there's definitely a, um, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm a little nervous. We haven't had everybody together for an all team meeting in a year and a half. And like, I don't know, I don't know a chunk of these people. I never met them. So, um, so some of the challenges we have is how do we go back to a, to a non COVID environment? And, uh, and we're letting people work from home. And that's the decision we've made. Like you can work from home. If you can get your job done, you can work from home. And some days I wake up and I think, man, that's really gonna be a challenge in a year or two because the culture may be different. So the, the whole um, office, full-time work from home, that, that makes me, that's a challenge in front of all businesses. And as we give our team members lots of flexibility, as we always try to build into their jobs, this has been another dimension of flexibility that's creating some interesting ones. So that's that's an interesting challenge. The solar industry in the long term has got lots of up, uh, lots of positive trajectory. Um, the rooftop solar industry in North Carolina is you know every every state is different as far as solar trajectory growth and it can change go up and down and rooftop versus utility scale changes as well. So the solar industry is constantly in a state of like flux of is it going to grow? Is it going to contract a little? Is it going to grow really fast? So those, there's no long-term policies in place yet that have got that set to a spot where it's going to be clear what happens. So there's always the challenge of that. Um, and then also, like, it's been interesting now, you know, there's uh, getting, the, getting the right people to come and be interested in a job has been more challenging in the last few months. We've had great success in that. We just won the best place to work in the triangle again, um, which is a good marker. But there's definitely... Um, definitely not the easiest recruitment environment at the moment if you, you apply that walk jog run kind of mentality to it yeah you're you're not alone you've definitely got a leg up on a lot of other organizations i'm seeing a lot of stress when it comes to recruiting and retention right now so yeah um, yeah and, and the fact that you have a vision too you know that that that's very helpful for people like me and and yeah and like we're motivating people to help save the planet like, I don't know if I can motivate people to make, you know, Cold Stone ice cream or something like that, really. Like, <laughs> I can do that. This is, this is, this is like, that's this one I can do. I can do that. And, uh, yeah. And then, and, 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 and recruitment and retention, you know, is a big part of the, what we've, we've done that for 20 years. A, a decent number of people have jumped up in the last three months and said, oh my God, it's so hard to find people. I'm thinking like, we've been working for 20 years to make that. That's like a part of what we do. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we are fortunate in that we've had lots of success or comparatively, we've got lots of success. Mm-hmm. You've, you've shifted the narrative of innovation, of culture, um, of what it means to be a boss. And, and for that, I appreciate you uh, joining this podcast yeah, and helping me prove that to, to other leaders all over the country, all over the world, 
that they can laugh at work. I love it. You can't laugh at that. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of You Can't Laugh at Work. If you want to learn a little bit more about Southern Energy Management, you can visit their website at southern-energy.com. Today's episode, as always, is brought to you by Water Cooler Comedy. Check out watercoolercomedy.org, where we specialize in corporate comedy experiences, as well as keynotes, consulting, training courses, and so on. Watercoolercomedy.org, where we help you make work the time and place to laugh. Catch you next time.